Hi, this is Steve Andres. I'm the pastor of New City Church, and this is our podcast. Every week at New City, we invite people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and learn how to make a difference. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope that this message inspires and challenges you to love God and serve your city more. If you want more info on New City Church or other resources, go to newcity.life today. But for now, enjoy this message. What an amazing time of worship, and what a great opportunity it is for us to be together. It's really important for us to do that because even though it feels a little bit strange sometimes doing this in our living rooms, um, it's really important for us to do it. The news these days is understandably dark. People are sick. People are out of work. The future is uncertain for a lot of us. But here we are as God's people singing Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper. Oh God, you do great things. All these songs that we're singing, it seems a little bit out of sync with the rest of the world right now, but we need that. The Bible is beautiful because it speaks to us from outside of our particular cultural moment, and it addresses us from a totally different perspective. And so worship and this moment of sitting underneath God's word is is right for us to do because we serve a God who rules and who overrules, who isn't impacted by what's taking place in our world. That means that even though circumstances might look like they're going in one direction, God rules and overrules. That means he gets the final say in all things. Now, today we're going to start a new series called All the Feels. And for a few weeks, I want to talk to you from the book of Psalms about some of the feelings that have been stirred up during this time. I've heard more than a few people express a lot of these feelings candidly and sincerely. They might say, "I, I just feel alone, or I feel anxious, or I feel overwhelmed. And it's worth noting today that God's word gives us permission to feel deeply, to think honestly, and to respond sincerely to our circumstances. But here's what God's word also does for us. It also gives us a completely different set of lenses with which to see ourselves in our world. So if you're taking notes today, get out your journal or whatever device that you're going to take notes on and get ready for our text. It comes from Psalm 22, and we're going to read verses 1 to 5. Psalm 22, verses 1 to 5 says this. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and they were never disgraced. Let's pray together and ask for God's blessing on his word. Lord, it's one thing for us to have your word make it and reach into our living rooms, into our family rooms, into our bedrooms, or wherever it is that we're watching this right now. But it's a whole other thing for that word to reach our hearts. And so we pray that your Holy Spirit would take this word and would put it in our hearts today, that we wouldn't just be hearers only, but we would also be doers. We would respond to your word in obedience. I thank you for doing that, just for adding your blessing and your favor to the reading and the hearing of your word today. Help us to be your people for the hour, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now, this psalm that we just read to you is written by David, who is the man after God's own heart. It's the only person in the scripture that is described that way. He's the same guy who wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But now, in this particular song, he is saying to God, God, 
Why have you abandoned me? Why, why aren't you paying attention to me? I'm groaning, but there's no answer in sight. This is a song, and it basically, the first half of the song basically starts out as a diss track, right? Telling God, you're, 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 you're failing me right now, which is a pretty raw way to talk to God. In Psalm 13, David says it like this, just so you know, this isn't his only song. It's not his only diss track. He says to God, how long, God, before you answer me? Now, some people probably uh, would say to David, are you sure you want to publish this track? Are you sure you want to publish this song? Because it seems like you've got some kind of beef with God. Maybe you need to deal with that personally. Maybe you should rephrase everything and say like, oh, God, I'm I'm really too blessed to be distressed, and I'm just trusting and abiding in you. And David said, no, that's not how I wrote the song, and I want to keep it the way I wrote it, and that's the way we get it. Because when you read the Bible, you'll see that great men and women of faith are oftentimes saying to God, God, where are you? You let me down. I called on you, and you didn't answer. How could you, God? That's not disrespect when those men and women talk to God like that. I actually think it's a sign of friendship. And so if you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. Number one, honesty is the mark of any close relationship. When I have a problem with my wife, the worst thing I can do is to go to somebody else and talk about it. As a matter of fact, that's a sign that something would be messed up in our relationship. If I were to say, you know what, I don't want to talk to you. I'm going to talk to somebody else about my problem with you. The, the mark of any close relationship is honesty and vulnerability. That's the sign of true intimacy. And it works that way with God also. Some of you have lots of feelings and you're telling everybody else your business except God. You're talking to everybody else except God. You're sharing all your worries and all your thoughts and all your anxieties, but you've got nothing to say to God. But David says, God, I feel alone. I'm looking around and I don't see you. You might say something similar. I feel alone because I got bills stacking up that I don't know how I'm going to pay. Or I feel alone because I'm literally alone here in my apartment. Or I feel alone because my fears are waking me up at night. And here's the thing. Honesty is the mark of true closeness. Any counselor is going to tell you that the real danger in relationship is not anger, frustration, or hurt. The opposite of love and intimacy is not anger or hurt, it's indifference. And so for David, his honest expression, the way he honestly brought his complaint and his frustration to God actually is the thing that is bringing him nearer to God. He says, God, I feel all alone out here. I don't know where you are, but you're all I've got, and so I'm bringing it to you. If you go back to the beginning of the Bible, to the story of creation, you see that God is placing his stamp of approval on so many things. He says, this is good. And then he makes something else and he says, this is good. This is good. And it's all very good in the end. He says, but the first time that God will say this is not good is when he says, it is not good for man to be alone. So number one, we said, is that honesty is the mark of any close relationship. But number two is this, God cares when we feel alone. Do you know how many times God says, I will be with you? in the Bible. I mean, 
I, I did a search. There's, there's, there's over 100 times where God says, I will be with you or I will never leave you. He doesn't ignore us or dismiss us when we feel alone. Over and over again, he says, I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. Now that promise is a two-edged promise to you and me. He says, I will be with you. I will stay with you. But then he says this, I won't forsake you. Which, that's different because it's possible to be with someone and at the same time still forsake them even though you haven't left them. There are people who are legally married, but they have forsaken their spouse. They are living in the same place, but they have forsaken one another. They're no longer invested in or moved by the needs or the priorities of their spouse. There are parents that I've known who've been physically present, but in some sense they have forsaken their children. They're not emotionally invested or connected with them. God says, not only will I not leave you, but I will never forsake you. It doesn't even matter who else might leave you or forsake you. God is invested in you and is invested in your future. He holds stock in your future at a time when our stock market is going up and down and every day on the news they're reporting on it and people are paying attention to it. Let me tell you, God cares about you because he has stock in your future and he is interested in what happens to you. He will not forsake you because he is bought into you, invested in you and purchased you at a high price. So don't for a minute think that he doesn't know what you are facing and what you are feeling today. You have a promise that he will never leave you or forsake you. Gene Cernan is the name of a NASA NASA astronaut. I, I think he recently actually passed away. But he was the last man to walk on the moon. He was the pilot of the last Apollo mission to land on the lunar surface. And he did one of the, he, was a, he, had a, he had a daughter that he loved very much, and he did one of the most dad things that any dad has ever done. As a matter of fact, it makes me feel like, man, I, I would love to be able to top this at some point in my life, but I doubt that I ever could. Because before getting back into the lunar module to return to Earth, he wrote his daughter's initials on the lunar surface. Now, for those of you who aren't science nerds, let me explain it to you. Because the moon has no atmosphere and no wind, those initials are still there today and probably will never be erased. So just think about that. Gene Cernan said, I'm going to write your, your, your initials here because I know that they will always remain. Isaiah 49, God does one of the most dad things that could be done. He says, see, I have written your name on the palm of my hands. God has inscribed your name on the palm of his hand. He will never forget you. He will never forsake you. He cares. He cares when you feel lonely. But thirdly, I want you to know this today, and this is really important. God cares, but he is also able to use aloneness to add to us. I used to own a 1993 Jeep Wrangler. I bought it used, but then I kept it for 14 years after that. And by the time I gave it away, um, the floorboards were so rusted out that I could literally, if I locked myself out of the car, which happened, unfortunately, too many times, I could literally reach up, push the mat through the floorboards, push the mat over, and actually unlock my car from underneath it. Now, you might say, well, that's not very secure. I didn't have anything to keep valuable in there anyway. And the beauty of having a junky car like that is that you really don't need to fix it very much. The only expectation is that it gets you from point A to point B. And so the longer that I, I drove this, this Jeep, the more it would start making these strange sounds, 
rattling noises, screechy belts, whatever it was, but I had a go-to solution for every single problem. I would just turn the stereo up. I would literally just turn the music up and then I wouldn't hear all the other noise. So many people do this in their lives. They just turn up the noise even though there might be signs of problems. They stay busy with work. They stay busy with friends. They stay busy with church. And it just kind of covers up whatever's going on. Now, during this time of sheltering, God may want to speak to you in a way that he couldn't have spoken to you before. During this time of aloneness, it might just be that there's less noise than ever before in your life. And because there's less noise, now all of a sudden you might be able to hear God in a way that you haven't heard him ever before. Psalm 139 says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Jesse and I will regularly have uh, this interaction that I'm about to describe to you. I wish I could say it happened once, but it happens pretty regularly. She'll say, uh, you have an eyelash on your face. You have something on your face. And I'll say, where is it? She'll say, I'll say, is it here? She'll say, no, it's over there. I'm like, over here? She'll say, no, over there. The other side, up, that, you know, and, and we'll spend several minutes um, trying to figure out where it is because I don't want her to come and, and actually get it off my face. Because first of all, she is an aggressive cleaning person, right? And she will literally attack my face. And then when I'm complaining about the way that she's trying to brush this thing off my face, she'll say, well, you should try using a mirror sometime. <laughs> and it's true. A mirror would simplify everything. Every morning, you and I, we look in the mirror, no matter how shocking or disappointing it might be, because we can't just rely on other people to tell us what is out of place. Listen, God's word is a window to who God is, but it's also a mirror to who we are. And some of you are living every day without checking in the mirror. And there's all kinds of stuff that's out of place in your life. You've turned up the noise so you can't hear it. Or you've stopped looking in the mirror so you don't see it. But you might think that other people don't hear it or see it, but they do. They're just tired of telling you about it. Don't put that on them. What if instead of expecting other people to help us to be better, we actually use the mirror more often and we went to look at God's word on a regular basis? The reason I'm saying all this is because this season for so many of us of of being alone, of being sheltered, it's a season that could be a reset for almost everybody I know. What if you made the decision during this time of aloneness to check in with the mirror of God's word every day? Now, every morning at 7.30, we, uh, we have devotions on Instagram Live. These aren't life-changing devotions. It's just seven or eight minutes where we check in the mirror. And it's a reminder of God's word, from God's word, of who I am and, and who I'm supposed to be. Now, being alone brings us face to face with ourselves. And so that's what I want you to know today. Being lonely is not the same as being alone. Feeling lonely is not the same as being alone. And there's a difference between loneliness and aloneness. I want to make that distinction. One is a feeling and one is a state of being. And so God can work through our aloneness if we will allow him to speak to us. And my prayer for you, especially during this season, is that you would experience a new degree of intimacy and closeness to God and a new degree of self-awareness as you pause and listen to God. I'm believing that this can be a season where you and I could live open-faced 
open-handed, open-hearted before God. It might be disorienting because, and disruptive for us. It might be difficult, but it will set us up for God's best to come. There is something to be gained during this season, even when we feel lonely, to transform that from loneliness into aloneness, to say, okay, God, I may be, I may, I may be lonely, but I recognize I am not alone. David says, God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away from me when I groan for help? Why don't you answer? But then in the second part of this psalm, the second part of the text that we read, he shifts, he, he shifts something. He says, yet you are holy and you are good. And I know how when others cried out to you that you answered them and you saved them. Now, I can remember um, having a, a soccer coach who insisted that we learn this one simple move because he said if it was well executed, it would be impossible to defend against. Pull the ball back. It was just pull the ball back, pivot your body so that your body now is between the defender and the ball, and then just change directions. It was a simple move, but he said the greatest players of all time had mastered it and could win with just that simple move all the time. David says, I feel abandoned and alone, but then he does this thing where he pivots He pivots and he shifts his weight and he turns. He turns from drowning in these feelings to dwelling on God's faithfulness. He says, I know, God, I've I've been feeling abandoned. I've been feeling alone, but I remember that you are good. Yet I remember, Lord, that you are faithful and you have dealt mercifully with others who have been in my same circumstances. I see a track record of God's goodness even through uncertainty and even through tragedy. And so David praises God at that moment. He said, now I know even though what I'm feeling is lonely, I know I am not alone. Maybe you feel lonely and you're having a hard time focusing on God's track record of faithfulness. Maybe you wonder if God cares about you even in this season. Let me tell you, I am certain that even when we feel lonely, we are not alone. I know that. Because I see that on the cross, the Bible says that the sinless son of God suffered loneliness and abandonment for me and for you. Think about when we're separated from a loved one by death. When somebody that we care about deeply dies, there's a tremendous, there's, a, there's a, just a, a devastating sense of loneliness. It's impossibly painful. I've walked with some friends who who, uh, have been abandoned by a spouse. They're going through divorce. And the loneliness that they feel is is just so deep and and debilitating. Now, Now, think about those two earthly experiences that we have. So what an incredible shock and horror the Son of God must have felt on the cross. Jesus, who had enjoyed closeness with the Father since before the beginning of time, is now at this moment utterly separated from the Father. The Bible says that he did this willingly for you and for me so that we could be brought near. Jesus chose to be utterly alone so that we would never have to be. And in that moment of anguish and separation, he cried out using these same words that we read from our text from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus suffered, died, and was buried 
and laid alone in a tomb for three days. But on the third day, the Bible says that he broke free from the bonds of sin and death to be alive forevermore. Now that is the history that we need to reflect on today. Even in our loneliness, we need to pivot and turn and remember, this is the track record that we ought to be dwelling on. His forgiveness, his mercy made available to us through the cross of Christ. Eternal life given to us as a free gift through the resurrection of the Son of God. Now the Bible says that that gift is simple enough for us to receive. All we have to do is pivot today. We have to pivot from our own way to admitting that we are sinners and that our hearts have been turned away from God and now we need to turn them toward God. I know that there are many, maybe who are watching, who for you, this is a moment where you need to pivot. There are some of you who are lonely right now and you need to dwell on what God has already done for you. And so it doesn't matter which of those groups you might fall into. I want to invite everyone at this moment to make this confession with me right now and to pray together with me and to simply say, I admit that I need the mercy and the forgiveness of God. And I believe that what Jesus did for me is enough and I will confess it with my mouth. If you are willing to pray that prayer with me, I'm going to invite everybody to do that. Just bow your heads with me and repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my guilt, and my shame, and you died for it. You faced hell for me, so I wouldn't have to. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.